Dear Shooter, every now and then you meet someone who breaks the mold. Breaks the mold, he shatters it. A man with a resume that will probably never be complete. Let me introduce you to Ton Motherfucking Jones. Of course I'm happy. I'm just checking because I'm like getting the stink eye here. Go do your thing, but get good at your craft first and put your budget to things that really matter at the end of the day. You want to get good at it. And make no mistake about it, that's training. Let's face it, if you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are. And we've all seen it. Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, Empowerment Through Self-Reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. Good Thursday morning, and uh, we're here to confuse you greatly today. We have myself, Jason Wilson, Joyce and Atkins joining us, and we are sitting here in the man cave of Ton Motherfucking Jones. It's a train wreck. <laughs> Welcome to the Thunderdome, bitches. I'm glad there's no bungee cords or I'd be worried. Now, this is a little bit odd from our normal podcasts. Typically, we have a theme. Yeah. Are you going to try and theme this one? Uh, no, because we would spend the entire 45-minute segment just talking about Ton's resume. You're going to try to hold it to 45 minutes? Yeah. No, there's no yeah. way. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Yeah. We tried the hour with Ton the last time. Do you remember what that turned into? Four. <laughs> Four. Three and a half. Isn't and, that podcast still going? Because it hasn't dropped yet. <laughs> no, it hasn't been out yet. And two bottles of scotch went yeah. that night. Thanks to Ton Motherfucking Jones. <laughs> no, I have a handful of them ready to go. But until I can actually follow up with them after that, it's kind of pointless to put any out. And as much as I'm traveling right now, it's hard to get any done. <laughs> My wife gets a little mad when I tell her, oh, I got to record two podcasts on the weekend so we can keep things going. Yeah, that ain't going to happen for her. <laughs> so we're, we're here um, being hosted by the most gracious Ton Jones. Uh, we are in Benbrook, Texas. I think actually we're right here in Godly now. Godly now. Uh, but we've been in Benbrook, Texas. We've been doing a two-day leadership academy with WyoTAC and Lucid Optics with the great help of Air Force Air Guns and Firebird Targets. They, they let us use their facility, great facility. We got to play with some really awesome air guns. Um, and this is not your grandpa's daisy. Uh, these are 25 caliber moving at about 1,300 feet per second. These will kill. Um, and we had teams making shots at 175 and 200 yards with these air guns. So really impressive. My guys made it that far out? They had really good coaching. Okay, I'll leave that one alone. So, yeah, so some of my guys made it that far out anyway? Right, so you're saying air guns, 200 yards. Yes. All right, Ton, what are we reusing today? We were using the 25 caliber Escape, the one I helped design when I first came to work with Air Force. It is the survival rifle. Um, 25 cal, 
powered by 3,000 PSI of air and lightweight, compact, with an extreme reach. This thing is the ultimate in survival backpack air rifles. And no, they are not the air rifles that people think of from back in the day. These are actual hunting air rifles. They are made for hunting, made for survival. We have the utility line, which is our standard small bore caliber air rifles, which is 177, 20 cal, 22, and 25. And then we go up to our big bore, which is 257, 30 cal, which is 308, 357, 45, which is 457, and 510, which is reaching muzzle velocities of over 960 feet per second and foot-pounds of energy exceeding 850 foot-pounds of muzzle energy, greater that, than a 45 long. I, I was going to say, that's that's a 45 ACP point blank. Yes. there's. We've had people take all kinds of big game with them. I've hunted Oryx, Audad, Neil Guy, Red Deer, and... For this exercise, when y'all reached out to me, I figured why not come out with the gun that I designed with Air Force, and we came out with the escape for this challenge because for this team-building exercise, what better way than take a survival rifle and have them build it out and work together as a team to make those long shots and communicate on something they've never used before because a lot of these guys had used center fire and room fire rifles but not a single one has played with air before and it was delightful it was a challenge um and it was something that it was even a challenge for me because air rifles is something i'm not super familiar with i we played around with them but uh to use them this extensively and for this type of application, I, you, if you had asked me two years ago, I would have told you that it's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> but last year you saw him for the first time and knew that wasn't the case. That's right. I, we, we, I was originally exposed to him at Ballistic Summit last year and <laughs> kind of blew my doors off. I was super impressed at just the power, the velocity, and the consistency uh, and and when we're reaching out to these kinds of distances with with an air rifle, consistency is key. Yes, and it's becoming more and more popular with rimfire and centerfire precision shooters. Because when you come down to air, using air rifles is a whole new challenge and a whole new skill set. If you can become efficient. And understanding understanding how an air gun works and performs, and you can become a skilled shooter with an air gun and a precision shooter with an air gun, you can dominate the center fire world. And recently in these air gun competitions, we have seen a huge influx of the center fire PRS shooters, and it is amazing because then they go back and we hear stories from all of them saying man after practicing with our air rifles for two or three months we go back and just destroy them during these center fire competitions mm -hmm. and it 
I get calls on a daily basis for PRS shooters wanting to come out to the factory, wanting to come hang out, want to go over to Firebird Targets and just saying, hey, where can I get hooked up on air? I need to get ammunition. I need optics set up. So it's simple. Air Force has the guns, Lucid has the optics, and Pyramid Air has the air. And we can get, it's pretty much anything and everything you need is a phone call away. And after we get everybody set up, it's an endless amount of fun for a quarter of the cost of burning bullets. Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, I mean, we, our shooters over the this week, we you know, we were giving them tins of ammo, 350 rounds, and it was the cost of a couple of boxes of centerfire. Yeah, each tin of 350 projectiles is $15. So the cost of Jason Atkins' coffee. Struggle is real, brother. My coffee. I don't drink a fifteen dollar coffee. Twenty three dollar. Well, twelve twenty five. But <laughs> by the Who's time he, by the time he hits that third one, it's hey, fifteen bucks. Hey, I'll tell you, the sprinkles and whipped cream are worth it, bro. Agreed. Extra whipped cream. And, and chocolate five, drizzle. Five shots. <laughs> Caramel drizzle, not chocolate. You've got mind this you, you didn't specify no. what kind of shots. Okay. No. Well, let's. Let's break this down. The first one in the morning is caramel drizzle. By the fourth one, I want the dark chocolate drizzle, extra sprinkles, heavy whipping cream. And you guys say I'm bougie. Bro. But that's also the time he starts listening to Taylor Swift. Dude. No, that was before. He's on to Christina Aguilera now. See? I can get on board with that. That, that Christina Aguilera is about third coffee in. T. Swift, usually, first cup of coffee, always Peyton Parrish. It's always Viking war songs, battle cry. Where where do you bring Timberlake in? I know that's your guy. Dude, Timberlake is usually probably about my second cigar of the morning. And oh, I can understand that now. Yeah. Uh, all the way down, bro. <laughs> <laughs> to the back of the throat, all the way. Yeah, you should not have done this with the two of us. Let's <laughs> <laughs> so back to reality here. So, <laughs> so I, I got a, I got a question, and, and I apologize for the derailment. But looking you apologize? around, apologize. Yeah, right out of the gate. Mm. I looking around this shop, hanging out with you for more than a nanosecond now. <laughs> um, your life has been one cascading amazing event to another how did you find your way to air force i mean what did you do previous to the air gun world wow um it's been and you don't have to give me the details just the well, fifty thousand foot view okay as a young child before we're actually able to go out and do hunting or shooting with any parent or Guardian, we had to start out with air rifles. And this is the quickest way to explain it. And after becoming efficient with an air rifle and showing our parents that we could, we can go hunting with center fire and rim fire. And I always remembered that. And quickly as we grew up, hunting, fishing, going out, chasing wildlife, I got into the wildlife industry, film and television, 
doing everything from the TV show Auction Hunters, working on Man vs. Wild, doing all kinds of crazy film and television stuff for every network all over the world. When I decided to settle down, I wanted to go back to my roots. And Air Guns was always a happy spot in my life. I reached out to Air Force because they were, and they still are a small company with big ideas that produces an American-made, high-quality product that would rather, they would rather take the time to produce quality than put out cheap bullshit that breaks. And they hold those values that my family and my grandfather and all the people I grew up with in the manufacturing world in military always had those values of if you're going to put something together, if you're going to put out a product, make it right. So when we got together and like when we first developed the Escape, I saw how Air Force worked to come out with this product. And when I stepped away from the film industry, I said, hey, I'd really like to come to work for y'all. And they kind of looked at me like, are you serious? I said, yeah, I'm going to move to Texas. And John and Yvette kind of looked at me like, what are you on and why? And I said, valid questions. Yeah. I, I said, And the answer may have been yes at the time. Yeah. I said, it's just time for me to take a step back from the craziness that I was in and focus more on me and my family. I was starting a family at the time. And they're like, okay. And they were willing to take a chance on this crazy guy that was into all kinds of weaponry and odd shit, as you can see from around this room. I've been in the archery industry with knives, throwing weapons, crossbows, just about any kind of hunting, fishing, weapon-related industry I've been in. And they said, well, we're pretty much sure you can be a fit somewhere here, but we don't know where. And <laughs> after a few months of working there, they just kind of looked at me like, dear God, you are a fucking train wreck, but it works. And they <laughs> still don't know how or why, but it works. It works. And... You've, Jason, you've talked to, well, Jason to my right. Because <laughs> Jason, Jason, and Jason's here. Uh, the shortest, tallest Jason at the table right now. <laughs> With the biggest hands. Yeah. Uh, you talked to John. It was why and how, and he's like, I don't know, it just works. Yeah, John's response was, <sighs> well... <laughs> Ton seems to get shit done. And that's all he said. And then I said, you care to elaborate on that? And he goes, not without my lawyer present. <laughs> well, and, and we, we had a chance to meet John and Yvette and from, from Air Force and absolutely wonderful salt-of-the-earth people. And I also want to give a shout out to Dan at Firebird. Great guy. 
let us guy. let us use our, his facility was just totally anything we needed he took care of us yeah dan dan is absolutely amazing dan i met up with a few years back yeah see hey it's rough being that tall, isn't it, bro? I'm not used to it. I'm awkward. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Boy, air. Up are here. you ever? Welcome to the air up here. <laughs> yeah. Air up here is a little different than down it's, there. It's a little thinner. Yeah. Yeah. See, the struggle's real. Gravity sucks up this high. You wonder why I walk all hunched over and fucked up back. And why his friends. fingers broke. <laughs> yeah, because the fall from up here sucks too. <laughs> no. <laughs> but no, Dan, I got to meet a few years back and we hit it off. As you can see, uh, it was, he makes stuff that goes boom. And I like stuff that goes boom. He is a giant kid at heart and he makes signaling devices for shooting. And after a brief conversation, we had a lot of similar interests, and I said, hey, can your targets be activated by air guns? He said, I hope so. I said, can we try? Said, Hell yeah, let's do this. And it's been a train wreck of happiness since. <laughs> Well, I know we we were listening to some of the things going on up in in the testing area today, and uh, judging by what was flying overhead, I figured you were signaling F-18s. That was, oops, my bad. <laughs> well, his son is also a great guy, and... He happened to bring out a little device that goes semi-auto, and sometimes it goes full auto. And you mix semi and full auto with stuff that goes boom, and well, hell, you got to try it all. And then everybody gets to Dude. play and sees the attention. And Well, when you're holding a class out there about teamwork and focus, I wanted to make sure they were working as a team and staying focused. They so, they were very focused. They were ready to form a wedge formation and storm the, the castle because they thought you were under attack. Exactly. Now, what better way to make teams form than put a little stress in the game and blow up a lot of shit and dump a lot of rounds downrange? <laughs> now what? Wipe your drawers and get together and head into town. It'll be interesting to see what feedback I get from the team because of this thing. <laughs> So this morning it did sign kind of like a war zone up by the cabin. Well, you had full auto fire. You had very loud reports, explosion like coming back from where we. But Ton and Jason brought out some other air rifles, um, higher end models than what we were using in the class. These suckers were impressive. So what did you guys have, and what what are some of the differences from the the rifles that we were using in class? Ooh, that is actually, we brought out some fun toys. So I got introduced to a RAW, which is Rapid Airworks, a brand new line coming from the Air Force Group. Um, you guys have made some improvements to an older line. 
And the most consistent, accurate projectile thrower I've ever shot. And that is, includes a lot of my center fire rifles. It puts it in the same hole every time. So I'm such a rookie on the air gun world, you're going to have to elaborate on what that gun was, but they're amazing. Yeah, the the raw itself, is like we like to call it, is Rapid Airworks. It's the 25 cal. When we were out at Summit, we decided that Jason needed the bad boy of the game. So my favorite is the 25 cal. And this is the gun I take out to do everything from competition 100-yard shots to trick shots. I've lit matches, and I can actually shoot through. Oh, oh God. Do you have one like this open? Yeah. Uh-oh. We, so they're they're playing with pocket track. knives. We've got to get two pictures: one of the same knife in my hand, and one of the same knife in Jason's hand, so we can show the difference in what happens here. Jesus! Oh God! We look. They're both. What's that one say on it? Espada. Yeah. What's that one say? Espada, right? They both are. They're both Espada. So, normal sized hand, and and Jason's hand, same knife. Do you have anything bigger? Yes, I do. In, in this model? No, that is the Espada XL. <laughs> yeah, that is but the... look, normal hand. Well, anyhow. We broke out the cold stylus. I'm starting to understand why you can't ever get a podcast dropped. <laughs> why is that? Squirrel? Yes. Well, well it, also in the toy factory known as my garage. <laughs> okay, so... There is too much shit to play the, with out The here. Rapid Air Works, the raw. Okay. What we decided to do is break out the raws today, and when we were at Summit, I hooked Jason up with the 25 cal raw, the precision rifle. This is the one I like to take out and do the trick shots with, the competitions with, and this is the one that's been bringing all the PRS shooters over to the air gun world. At 100 yards, you can literally stack shots back to back consistently. I was watching you guys do it. Yeah, and it is, once you understand the air rifle and how it works, you can repeat your shots if you can control your breathing, and we're running less than a half-pound trigger. It's an amazing trigger system that's built in-house here in Texas, not more than 15 minutes from where we're sitting now. And it is a precision rifle that is just surgical. And one of the biggest jokes that we had, one of the guys told us that, well, it'll never be as accurate or as consistent as his centerfire rifle that he had made, that he spent over ten grand, and, I mean, completely going the full route with he's the ultimate armchair warrior named off every big brand. So we went out to the local range and decided to have some fun. We took out two champagne bottles at 100 yards. I said, pop the cork. I'll pop the cork with mine. He said, it's impossible. So I went ahead and popped a champagne cork at 100 yards with the raw, 25 cal, and he exploded his. <laughs> and I said, thank you, come again. And the next day he showed up, 
and actually bought one, and he's been shooting with us for the last three years. And now he competes religiously, not just because there's a $20,000 purse at almost every air gun competition, but he said his centerfire game has gone through the roof. When it comes to precision rifles, air guns will completely blow people away. The raw is, every raw is hand-built, hand-touched, and when we're done with it, Martin, the guy who was the actual original builder and founder of the raw, who still works with us to this day, hand-tunes them and puts the final touches on before they ever go out the door so everyone is tuned to perfection before it ever leaves. So that's what people love about this gun is straight out of the box, it's competition ready or hunting ready. Granted, you're not going to be out taking big game, but we have ranchers, farmers, pest control that go out and take this for small varmint and bird control. And it is just an amazing, effective tool for whatever your purposes are. Now, the raw is exceptionally a higher price point than the escape. Yeah, the escape you're going to be getting into, well, full retail, I think, is around 1000 bucks. Um, entry level on a raw, your basic entry level is about two grand. So twice the cost. Twice now, the cost, yeah. One of the, one of the big things that I noticed, the differences, the, the escapes that we were using, they were a single shot. You had to load each individual pellet. Now, you guys had, you were magazine fed. Yes. The utility line, the Air Force is a, I hate to use the phrase, but it really is a down and dirty tool it is the rough and tough it is out there to be used and abused and be and it's just a workhorse that never gives up mm-hmm. and are you going to be splitting hairs at 100 no but it's going to get it there you're going to be within as you saw we're reaching out and you're still going to have for a down and dirty hunting rifle it's going to be effective out at 100 but now if you want to pop Tic Tacs off a stump at 100 consistently or you want to put out a candle flame at 100 and never touch the wick and you want to do it surgically, that's where you get the raw. The raw is extreme surgical precision. Well, and I can really see the PRS gravitating towards the raw because, because of that magazine feed and, and the way that it loads – it's very similar to running a bolt. Yeah. Uh, you, you're looking at the same second shot up on target, um, you know, follow-ups. You're not going to be any slower with that than you would with a standard centerfire bolt gun. Yeah, we have, it's a side lever mag fed, and it's repeater. It's regulated, so you're running a 155-bar uh, regulated uh, action, and you're going to get off of one fill, which is a 3625 fill or 250 bar fill, you're going to get probably 48 shots before you have to refill before you're running off a regulator. And their standard deviation between shots is going to be less than five feet per second. So 
Okay, that's uh, you, you're you're talking precision rifle cartridge there. Yeah, it's the same. You're getting the same precision accuracy as someone that's hand loading, spending hours upon hours and hours just hand loading, powder checking powder, checking weights, checking everything, checking necks of cartridge, all in error. And you guys were hitting targets. I was watching you guys hitting targets at 200 yards. Yeah, it was weird goofing off playing with the steel just kind of dicking around out there with exceptional reliability and ease Mm -hmm. it was consistent the wind's always a factor but the gun did exactly the same thing every time yeah It, it, it was impressive and and just the seeing the accuracy difference and the consistency difference from the escape to the raw uh that that was eye opening yeah if we actually gave that crew and that team the raw, there would have been no challenge. It would, it takes it takes the work out of shooting. So we had to put some challenge in there because I can take the raw easily at two hundred plus. And well, in competition, we're in Utah, we're in Arizona. We'll have fifteen to twenty-five mile an hour crosswinds, and we have to hit. 25 targets out at 100 and these targets i mean the center of the bull is less than a 177 pellet so you're like looking at like a 0.174 center x right and you have 25 of those circles to hit and the best score is i think a 250 is the perfect score and people are scoring in the 240s right and it's a timed event so you have to be you have to be accurate and you have to be fast. And then you can go on to like the extreme challenges where we're taking these same guns, putting slugs in them and taking them out to 295, 300 yards, right? And hitting 3-inch steels. And and I and I don't mean to take anything away from the escape because we had we had eight guys in this class. Uh I think 3 of them had little to no shooting experience whatsoever and and these guys were still getting hits we we were pushing them out 150 175 yards and they were hitting three inch targets at this range yeah um and that's that's with the escape so definitely not to take away from that uh what it seems to really boil down to with air guns is your shooting mechanics yeah with the escape i can hit that three inch target out at 100 200 with the raw i can hit the bolt that's holding that three inch steel target up yeah that's the difference so it, it air is a whole new game that people have greatly underestimated and once people have realized it now and it's becoming more and more popular it's changing the name of the game for a lot of prs shooters because it's you could tell the PRS shooters that haven't gotten into air guns yet, and you could tell the ones that have. The ones that have spent some time behind air guns, because now they're the ones that are sitting behind air guns that get more time to practice, because now they can actually tune their gun down. They're, they're learning more about when they're not relying so much on technology. They're actually learning how things work because you can see these guys out with wind flags and kestrels and 
they understand what the computer is telling them, but they're not understanding why. Right. But with a, a pellet or a slug that's running sometimes subsonic, and they're actually watching. You can watch a pellet fly in your scope, mm-hmm. and they're they're actually mentally gathering this data and using it and learning how projectiles fly in air and wind, and they're learning a lot more about what they're actually doing, their discipline. And they're taking that over to the, as we refer to as the powder burner world, and they're just decimating their competition. Wow, you just made me feel dirty. (laughs) Take a shower now, bastard. (laughs) So behind you, I mean, you've been talking a lot about the uh, new one, new air guns that are out. You've got a new one that you showed up with that is an interesting design because there's a a bolt in it, and I don't mean the bolt to load it with. Explain what that is. That is actually the new Talon bolt. It is an air gun that shoots an 18-inch carbon bolt or an arrow, a crossbow bolt, at over 400 feet per second. It is not a crossbow. It is not a bow and arrow. It is an air gun that shoots crossbow style bolts. The actual barrel feeds down the center of the carbon shaft and it launches this bolt at over 400 feet per second to extreme accuracy. You do not shoot the target twice in the same spot. You will explode the other arrow that's in the in your target. Yeah, that's a Robin Hood. Yep. It's no longer Robin Hood because you cannot see the other arrow anymore because it explodes it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> it ruins them. They're expensive when you do that. Oh, yeah. And the first time I did it, they looked at me like, Oh, you just destroyed our prototypes. I said, yeah, I did that. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. Yep. So that's out now? That will be released in probably less than 30 days from now. So how does it look in the hunting world, though? So is it allowed in? I mean, Texas is one thing. You can go on private land, and you can do basically whatever you want down here. But do you know how that plays into somewhere like, let's say, Wyoming or Montana or anything? Or have you looked yet? I've looked. Wyoming's still a little bit behind the times. No offense, Wyoming, but... Behind the times or holding to old rules? Um, They're not even holding to... Well, it's really rough because in some states, um, that is a very difficult one to touch on. Yeah, that's why I asked. I was just curious more than In some states, you can... They've actually opened up arrow gun hunting uh, for you can hunt whitetail like Utah you can hunt there's certain states that have opened it up and there's other states that haven't touched their hunting rules and regulations in many years Yeah, and I'm not saying that like Wyoming is holding to old rules but I'm also saying they haven't actually touched and actually looked at some of the rules because I've actually looked at a lot of Wyoming's laws. And if they coming from the wildlife industry, if you were to go through them like I have, it'd make you scratch your head like, 
Why? No, and there's some very strange. Because there are certain states out there, I'm not going to throw any certain states under the bus, but you're still allowed to hunt with a 32 caliber rimfire that produces less than 90 foot pounds of muzzle energy, and you're allowed to hunt bear and deer with it. Welcome to Darwinism, because if you shoot a bear or a large predator with a 32 caliber pistol, you're going to be meat jelly. They're going to come visit you. Yep. If they're already coming to visit you. Yeah, because that is there. And, but that law has been there since the early 1900s. Yeah. And the, a lot of these laws have not been revisited because... They don't get around to it, and it's too much time and effort to go. They just think, well, no one's really going to go do that until someone ends up on a corner table. <laughs> but now you have this, so that's yes. why I was asking yeah, where, where it's allowed, where it isn't allowed, yeah. because I know air guns even are touchy when it comes to the hunting side of things. And We've been talking a lot about target shooting and, and the precision of it, so the precision's there, but we also know that the velocity of the slug that it is sending down range is more than enough to harvest animals with it, it that's why i say here in texas yeah it's easy and after moving down here i realized there's laws here that are quite loose because it's almost all private yes so it's easier to say the landowner better know what they're doing now you you you're talking about the slugs ton you showed me a slug earlier that with 660 grain uh the one well yes we have the 50 cal will shoot up to a 690 grain what i was shooting in the 45 today was a 350 grain um if you look around this room i think every single animal in here except for that big red deer on that table was taken that was taken with a 460 rigby pistol but everything else in here was taken with an air gun now i've been working with some of the folks in wyoming at the legislature talking to them about air guns arrow guns and a lot of the the statutes in wyoming on the hunting side um they're old school they've been there forever um and they're quite candid with the fact that they haven't had time to take and evaluate some of the newer tech that's come down the pipe. Um, it may totally be suitable. It may be completely ethical. And change is slow. But they admit that they just don't know enough about it to be able to address it. Because if you look at the regulations in Wyoming, they have archery equipment. They have black powder equipment. They have center fire equipment. They don't call out or have a provision for air gun equipment at all. Nothing pneumatic. And it's because I think they don't know enough about it to be able to address it. Um, some years back, I had a three fifty seven caliber Sam Yang. It was a, a pneumatic air gun that you charged up with a scuba tank, just like you do some of these other ones that we've been messing with here today. And a 90-grain pellet moving 1,200 feet a second is completely lethal. Oh, yeah. And I had a conversation with the game warden when I first got that because I wanted to be able to take a deer with it. And he made it very, very clear that it was up to warden interpretation and it was a bad idea. Yeah. They just don't know enough about it. They need to be educated. 
we, so w what you're saying is we need to facilitate a trip for ton to come and talk to some of our game wardens and legislature. I have a legislature that I work with, uh, a guy that works very closely with the Game and Fish. Um, he's actually right now on, on oversight on their budgets. If we could educate him and propose some verbiage, I bet he'd throw it up a flagpole. Because I've actually done this for other states where I've... It's a unique position that I'm in because I also, being a guy that's been in the wildlife industry that works in wildlife conservation, because believe it or not, people out there, the people that do the most wildlife conservation are the hunters. We want the wildlife protected more than anybody else. You bring up the word poacher, and a true hunter will come unglued because we hate poachers. We hate people that waste animal life. We want to do everything that's best and ethical for a hunt, a true harvest of meat for our families. So being on both sides of wildlife conservation and wildlife rescue and rehabilitation and a hunter and working in the air gun industry, I've played every hand on both sides of this. I've had fish and wildlife call me from all over and say, hey, Ton, you work with air guns, you've worked with wildlife. We want you to come out here or we're going to come see you and we need you to put on a demonstration. We've done, I've done it for, I think, seven states now and actually talked to them on their level and helped explain to them and put on demonstrations to show them because they, and they'll tell me, we would like to make an informed decision but we can't because we don't know. And we can't change the law because if we don't know, what are we supposed to do? So we're going to leave it until we understand. So I go out and work with them to help them understand. And then once they see it, I put on a demonstration. Like, oh, wow, this is what an air gun is capable of. Well, and I have to also explain to them, it's also just like any other hunting device out there, whether it be a compound bow, a crossbow, an atlatl, a blow dart, or a boomerang. It is all upon the hunter's capabilities. The device is more than capable for taking out certain game. It's about the shooter's capabilities, the hunter's capabilities, and then we help them come up with guidelines like, okay, I'm not going to go take a deer, a mule deer or an elk with a 177 caliber air gun. That's just unethical. But our 308 and our 45 has more than enough foot pounds of muzzle energy to do the work. And so we put on demonstrations and help them come to an informed decision. I don't make the decision for them. I just give them the knowledge to help them make the decision for their state. And it's actually helped a lot of states change the hunting laws to bring more people into the industry, bring more people and families to the outdoors. And I think it's better overall for the outdoor industry in general to get more people out there.
Uh, I think you're you're exactly right. The way you put that is they don't want to touch these laws and they don't want to change them and they don't want to try and, and modify or update because they don't have the information and, and they, they don't want to jump to a conclusion just because, you know, John Q. Public says so. Um, so having a resource like you uh, to be able to talk to these guys and, like you said, on their level because you have that background, uh, it, it helps tremendously in these guys being able to make uh, an educated and correct decision for their state. Yeah, we we've had other advocates out there that are strictly hunters, and granted, what their intentions might be. Oh, for the love of God, give me that damn donut, dude! This is why we go off the rails. No, but we've had other people out there that. Hunters that will do stuff like go out and represent for us and say, hey, this is what you guys need to do. Hey, hey, I see that laughing. These guys are messing with me. They're taunting fat people with donuts and cigars and bourbon. I just was thinking about the dipping the donut and the It was a donut hole. You can't really dip that. Well, I tell you can't. I'll try it on the next one. Let's see. This is this is how we keep Ton entertained. We give you no. This is how we keep us entertained. Just giving it in the bourbon. No, you got to take a bite of it first. Take a bite. Oh, because you got to get the inside. Okay. Now the cigar. There it is. All for science. The cigar's dead. You didn't get anything. You killed it. Oh, we have to relight the cigar. Nope. Oh. Nope. We got it. All the flavor and a bit of happiness. <laughs> no. No, but like I was saying, one of the hardest things for these states to do is if you get a strict hunter out trying to pass the law, they're so, so gung-ho on saying, I want you to pass this law because I want to hunt with my new toy. Right. My new rifle, my new air gun, my new crossbow, my new whatever it is. The state says, well, how do we know it's ethical? Well, trust me. <laughs> trust me. What are you, a used car salesman? Dude, go the fuck home. Dude, seriously, pack your shit up and go home. When you tell someone to trust you, that's saying, all that dude just said to you is, I'm here to fuck you and screw you over. Right. Trust me is another way of saying, I'm here to steal your wallet. Because I don't say... Trust me. I say, you know what? I'm going to show you the facts. I'm not going to make the decision. I don't wear a suit. I don't. I went to public school. I'm not going to write a bunch of crap down on paper with a subsection and a chapter. That's not my department. I can show you facts. I can show you what an object does. And you guys can make an informed decision. You guys make way more money than I do and spend way more time in comfortable chairs than I do. So once I give you all the facts, you guys can sit together in your comfortable chairs inside a nice mahogany room and discuss what the hell you want to do so other people can go out in the wild and have some fun while you sip your bourbon, sit on your comfortable fucking pillow, and eat some fucking steak. And let us go out in the wild and have some fun. We found the rail. 
Dude, seriously. He's not passionate about this at all. No, not even a little bit. I'm here and, to... And he's right. I mean, at the end of the day, he's right. Because some of what is done at the legislature level is not correct. And we're seeing it right now, right? And not only... I mean, wait until somebody uses an air gun to cause problems in... Oh, yeah. A school or a church or whatever it, it might be. And then air guns will be the next thing that we need to ban. Well, that's that's an interesting point you bring up because we've had this discussion many, many, many times over. As soon as something happens, ban the device. Let's blame the fork for making me fat. Let's blame the bottle for making me an alcoholic. Let's blame the gas pedal for making me go fast. What's the common denominator? The fucking human. Until people can actually take responsibility for their actions, but no, people don't want to do that. And we had this interesting discussion about, like, oh, guns are bad, guns are horrible, guns kill people. Well, did anybody happen to see a few years back when a van drove through a Christmas parade overseas and kill a bunch of people with the bumper? I didn't see anybody jumping up and down to ban bumpers or vans. I don't even think that was overseas. That was like Wisconsin. No, there was one. Uh, was it England? London? There's a Christmas parade that someone drove through. I'm like, there's been a couple of them. And it's, I tell people. The one thing that you can start up any nonprofit you want after a, a tragedy happens. But until people start making other people responsible for their actions instead of blaming a device, because, hey, see that pistol right there on my wall? Mm -hmm. It's been there for three years. It has never got off that wall, and right underneath it, it's a whole box of ammo. It didn't load itself either. Nope. It has never got off the wall. It's never loaded itself. It's never gone down the street, and it's never shot anybody. I'm going to poke it with a stick and see if I can get it to do something. I'll bet you could sh poke it with any of the sharp sticks in here, and it won't do anything. <laughs> well, Ton's going to prove it's that. Stab it. Nope. It won't do anything. Nope. It's not doing anything. It still hasn't fired. <laughs> It's yelling at you because you just hurt its feelings. But that gun has never got up and done anything. It's still sitting there. But that uh, a lot of it's an education thing, right? And we all know this. Yeah. And the only way to get the education out is to, to have the conversation with the person yeah. that thinks it's a problem and find out why. And I, it's interesting, like Hatindra, Hatindra that, that was there with you guys today, he actually asked me questions about firearms and hunting and, and <laughs> actually killing animals in the, the past. I showed pictures of some of the elk and whatnot I've taken. And after, I don't know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes of talking, he understood slightly more of why. But he didn't upfront understand that because it's not the culture he came from. It does, isn't anything he know or he knew. And after being in, I mean, I'd never lived in a big city until Houston. So to go from no big city to one of the biggest in the nation, 
and some of the people in our shop even, I am absolutely amazed that they don't have any experience with this, right? They grew up in a city. They have no experience that all of us have been around in our lifetime. And the only way to change that is to get them engaged in it. But interestingly enough, the folks you talk about that don't have any experience with it definitely have opinions about it. They're scared to death of it. They also have the mindset that they're smarter than you are, and they're going to tell you what to do. Sure, because that's what somebody told them. And, I, and I'm not defending, believe me, <laughs> what goes on. But I, I, being from Wyoming, and I, I've not only lived in Wyoming. I lived in Arizona. I lived in Colorado. We lived here in Texas for a while, so I'd been in more than just the state, and Jason, you have too. I don't, Corrado, you've lived elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Until you're around the people that haven't been or lived the life experiences we have, it's hard. You have to educate them, and you have to have a, it's almost a heart-to-heart conversation with them, trying to get them to understand where you come from. Once you have that conversation, or you can expose them to it slightly, you can actually change some people's way of thinking about it. Some, not all. Well, I think, I, never. Think, I think some people are changing on their own. I mean, what we've seen a, a huge shift in the, probably the last two years, I would say, let, let's call it post-COVID. Um, but uh, we always had a, a huge issue, especially in Wyoming, with getting people to, to want to get training. Because everybody there, hey, you know, I grew up, I, I was born with a gun in my hands. I know how to do this, right? Um, we're starting to see a shift of people going, yeah, I've hunted all my life, but that's dealing with a four-legged critter that's not trying to hurt me back. Um, they're starting to understand that there are other, there, there's actual threats in the world that they, they don't understand and they don't have the training for. And they're seeking that out. We're also seeing a lot of people who have never been exposed to firearms before who are looking at the world and looking at situations and and going, you know what, maybe this isn't such a bad idea. What are we going to do when the little green men come down, though? Because I think our guns are not going to do us. Well, I'm not taking them to our leader. (laughs) I got stuff in that box over there for that. (laughs) Ton's got an app for that. No. No, but it's actually funny uh, that we brought this up because we talk about the people in big cities that have never experienced this that want to ban certain things. While we were in Vegas for SHOT Show, sitting there trying to have a decent meal, and this lady and her husband were quite offended that I was there for SHOT Show. And they were like, we believe, out of nowhere, we believe that all firearms should be banned and the government should come and take your firearms. And if you don't give them up, you should be arrested. I said, that's fair. I said, I believe that all rideshare should be banned and all food delivery services should be banned because I heard on the news that there's been a couple instances where there's been rape and murder involved. She said, oh, my God. Well, we don't own a car, and that would totally devastate our way of life. I said, I don't care. I heard it on the news. I'm all, that's bad. I'm all, there's been, well, not every rideshare service has the same problem. <laughs> I said, I don't care. I heard it on the news. I'm all, that sh- every, it all should be banned. There should get away with all, do away with all of it. She's all, well, that 
would totally devastate so many people's way of living. That would put so many people out of work. You, you can't just do that without knowing. Do you live in the big city? I said, no. I said, do you own a firearm? She said, no. I said, then you need to shut the fuck up, too. And just left it like that. And her husband's like, oh, he kind of has a point. And she got so pissed at him for understanding. He got it. He was like, well, he kind of has a point. And she said, well, you need to shut the fuck up, Martin. What's <laughs> her name, Karen? I, I don't all. I just know his name because she told him, well, you need to shut the fuck up, Martin. And she stomped away. But it, it, again, it goes back to education, right? And how do we get... So you can do a podcast like this, right? We're all talking. You know, unless somebody is trolling, there will be nobody listen to this podcast that tries to learn anything from it. So how do you continue... I mean, it's what you're into. It's what you're into. It's what Tun's yeah, into. People don't learn how anything do we, from us. How do we educate the people who are not in the industry... So we can ensure that this isn't something that's always on the front page of the news, basically. Well, it goes back to the very simple upbringing and some morality. If it doesn't fit you, your personality, don't do it. But don't judge me and tell me I can't because you don't think you should do it. But there's the problem right there. Um a lot of people that are against guns, uh, no education, no conversation is going to change their mind because they don't hate the gun. They hate you. They hate your way of life. They hate your independence, and they want to take that from you. And uh-huh. that's the scary part. They want to take something from me. That's right. That's not theirs. It's not their place to tell me what to do. So who's the asshole in the conversation? Exactly. Let's put this in a little bit different perspective. <laughs> and people are going to love me for this. We are about to enter the mind of Tun. And he hasn't even drank that much yet. No, I know. None this of is, us have, which is... Give him another donut. Yeah. This is... Give him a donut. This is... See what happens. Hold on, hold on. We got to prime you for this. <laughs> yeah. Primer. Get ready Primer. for this one. Wait. Bite. Dunk. Dunk. <laughs> now you know you can't edit that part out. No, right? well, God no. Okay, because that oh oh oh. And here's the cigar. I think he yeah he's. I done. see pure bliss. I, no, I. I'm pretty you, sure he just carries quiver. Pain. He was did you a, see him quiver? He was on a hateful rant for a second. Oh, oh no, it's here. still there. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, we got to have a sip first. All right. Yeah, I saw a, a sugary floaty that I wanted. <laughs> It's at the bottom. I can see it. He'll get there. Have you seen his tongue? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got it. Mm-hmm. All right, Ton, both barrels. Okay, all those people that despise guns and believe that the gun should be taken from any gun owner out there and that believe all gun owners are evil bastards that are the scum of the earth and should die. While you're sitting there sucking down your cheeseburger from your local fast food place because you don't know how to cook. Whataburger if you're in Texas. Yep. Imagine that wonderful vegan neighbor of yours. Hold on, Ten. Hold on. Just a sec. Waterburger? Waterburger. There you go. <laughs> Just because you can't hear does not mean I cannot pronunciate. No, you cannot enunciate. Enunciate. <laughs> okay. 
Imagine while you're sitting there. Jason, did you know what I said? I spoke your babble for a while. Perfect. So, yes, I understood you. Imagine if you're sitting there listening to this right now and you're agreeing that all people that own firearms, hell, even a pocket knife if you live in London, are bad, evil scum in the earth and people that own firearms should pretty much rot in hell while you're sucking down that cheeseburger or your filet mignon or hot dog for all that matters or corn dog if you really, really can't cook and only can run a microwave and you're too lazy to go to fast food or order it through your food delivery service. And your neighbor's that wonderful vegan with that delightful Smurf-colored bleached-out blue hair because we all know that person exists that has that shaved back of her head and walking around in that tie-dyed shirt spewing all kinds of freaking fur Nazi bullshit. She's that same person that believes you should rot in hell for eating meat. Now, let's be realistic. The same hatred she has towards you for sucking down that nice, delightful bacon cheeseburger is the same hate you have for us for owning that firearm. And while you're sitting there, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just having a cheeseburger, minding my own business. Why should she decide what I ingest in my own body? I'm not doing her any harm. In fact, the is... Because of her and her, like, vegan habits, her strip farming is destroying this earth. I think she's a bastard. Well, let's be realistic. Those same thoughts you're having going through your head is what we're having going through our head because you're feeling the same way about us. Wow! The shoe's on the other foot now. How the tables have turned. So look in the mirror. Take a step back. Enjoy that moment while you're wiping your face off trying to get that last piece of lettuce out of your busted up tooth because, know what, you're just as bad as her blued ass hair and her fucked up tie-dyed t-shirt because you are her now. Other than that, I don't got much to say. And that was off the top of his head. That was not scripted. You didn't see him reading it? He had it wrote on his palm. (laughs) He's probably tattooed. Have you? Yeah, there's but that's there's no more room to write on Ton's hand. No, but that's I why wrong? he went to his head. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're absolutely no. not wrong, and it's the judgmental thing that we're talking about. <laughs> it, it's for every group that has a hatred towards another group and wonders why another group has hatred towards them. Let's be realistic. If everybody took a step back, and okay, let's even take it down to that blue hair girl. Her delightful problem, she just wants to be different wants to be unique. Five, six years from now, while she's suffering from some other disease because she's never sucked down anything other than tofu, and her anemia kicks in, her bones are as hollow as the bird flying over, and her nails are starting to fall out, and her hair is starting to diminish, and the blue is starting to bleach out, and she's gotten some kind of weird disease from all the chemicals she's used to dye her hair. We're still going to take care of her. We're still going to have a heart for her. We're going to probably put up a GoFundMe account and take care of her some way or another. And we're probably going to hold a hunting get-together and do a fundraiser and support her in some way. Know what? It happens. She'll have a change of heart. She'll go over there and take down that first delightful piece of red deer steak and look like, wow, I've been missing out on this my whole life. 
probably be your first orgasm. Yep. And you know what? We've seen this, and her leathery, wrapped-up skin will come around and like, wow, life is a lot much better now. Twitch, twitch, twitch. You know what? I've been missing out on a lot of stuff. We'll still accept her in. Hell, we'll give her a training class. We'll show her how to handle a firearm safely. I'll cook her a burger. Make her a hot dog. Invite her in. Probably not to my house, but to the campfire. Do a little training. Be nice to her. The asshole neighbor of her that's still sucking down the other cheeseburger that's still pissed off because she still has tins of blue in her scalp because that's permanently there now. Know what? Screw him. He can come too and get a little firearm safety because all he's been doing is talking about how badass he is and how he used to serve in some war that he got the dates wrong on because he's an armchair warrior and he decided to finally go out and see sunlight because he's lacking vitamin D and he's also hollow and brittle as can be. We'll teach him how to work a firearm also. Give him a little bit of insight and maybe know what? They might date one day, get married, have little blue-haired, pasty, hollow-boned bastards of their own. And maybe they might be good, outstanding citizens one day. And the circle of life goes on. Other than that, hell if I know. <laughs> I, 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 I once heard a, it was actually a birthday speech. And it, the gist of it was the gun culture is American culture. And in a lot of ways, a better culture. And... You kind of described it to a T that you may hate us and we're still going to accept you. Yeah, because know what? We're still here. When the smoke clears, we're the most down-to-earth people. We'll invite you to our barbecue. We still don't care. We just want to be friends with everybody. Come barbecue, hang out. Know what? We're the most screwed up, twisted, shit-talking people in the world, and everybody's invited to this fucking train wreck. Because know what? We are a train wreck, and we know it, but we love everybody. Come and hang out. Just kick back. We judge each other more than anybody else. And hell, if anybody's ever seen a picture of me, Google it. I look like I got ran over by a paint truck on the way to Sherman Williams and then backed over by the short bus twice, then ran over by a steamroller, then filled full of bacon grease, leaving the fucking local slop shop. So, Tun, was it because you were trying to get in the short bus or I'm I'm curious on the twice I was looking the window from the outside. You were addressing the captain of the window-licking program. Yeah, but you heard the part. He was trying to lick it from the outside. Schnozberries taste like schnozberries. I can't help it. We went completely off the rails. I don't think we did. Oh, a little bit. I mean, I a little bit. No, I mean, really, in, in the vein of Deer Shooter, I don't think we did. No, Welcome right to my thought process. It's right on track. It, it, it absolutely is. Yeah. I mean, we talk about the gun culture. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you nailed it. And, and it, at the end of the day, it is a better culture. You're right. We are a train wreck. But you know what? Join the derailment. We have more fun. Yeah. It, 
if you ever come to a get-together with... Go to any outdoor get-together. Go to any hunt club. Go to any NRA. Go to any shooting sports, Ducks Unlimited, whatever it is, youth organization, and you're going to see the most outlandish group of train wrecks everywhere, and you're going to be welcome. And know what? You're going to go out there like, wow, this is crazier than, like, Ink Slinger's Ball 1999. <laughs> you're like, wow, look at that. That dude, if you're into people watching, this is the place to do it because all walks of life. And you're most likely the same dude you're sitting across in your cubicle in your miserable carpal tunnel life. You're like, oh, Stephen over there is an asshat. Well, you know what? He's over there and he's smiling away. 40 hours a week at his keyboard because he's know he's taking his kids out hunting and fishing on the weekend, and that's what gets him through life. Welcome to the Thunderdome, bitches. He's happy, and you're miserable because he's outdoors sucking up that vitamin D. Get on the bandwagon. Come out and play. Sunlight's a gracious thing, and you don't have to suck it up through the LED light in your TV. That 30-second commercial that says, Welcome to the Zen, is not Zen. That's rotten your soul. Or you could just keep blaming the gun. True. Just keep blaming the gun. Yep. You can blame the gun because that's the easy thing to do, but you'll sure as hell watch it for 30 minutes on TV because that's what entertains you. But know what? You think it's bad, but you want to watch it on TV. And that is interesting. Um, You know, look at some of these movies. Look Look at John Wick and the success of that movie franchise. I'll bet you... A quarter of the people that are absolutely in love with that movie are anti-gun. Well, they're sucking on their fucking tofu. And and the people that are watching John Wick don't realize the level of training that Keanu Reeves went through to actually be proficient at what he was doing there. And it's not just a movie then, right? If you look at what he's done to be a gun gun advocate in training and, and the direction he pushes people to is key. And that you don't get that very often from the yeah. big... big uh, mess out there in california right he's gone beyond being a gun advocate to a skilled artist oh yeah very much so he absolutely has and you and if you you can youtube it you can find his training videos preparing for that role and and halle berry as well she went through some very rigorous stuff dude i got tired just watching him i was like let's be realistic i'm not athletic and i was like wow bro i need to take a break these guys admit it you were turned on when you were watching him a little not bit. Halle Berry him a little bit yeah. I gotta now, say we, dude. we talk about the gun culture not being judgmental but we do kind of fall off that wagon when it comes to movies like John Wick we insist that the gun handling be done right we will judge you if you do it wrong oh there's Agre- a, there's a number of uh, Instagrams that are tied 100% to that I mean, if you look at Andy Stumps, it's nothing but bad gun handling. Hey. We will judge you there. But that, the, but but you know what? We still flock to these movies and we still enjoy them. But even if we judge you there, we'll invite you in and say, "Hey, let us show you how it should be done." Right? Yo, bro, dumbass, come hang out for a minute. <laughs> but that it in. 
we will be the first to scold, but the first to bring you in. And it, it's, let's be realistic. Like my grandpa used to do to us all the time. He's all going to be the first one to break you down, but the first one to lift you up. If you screw up, I'm not going to handle it with puppy dogs and rose petals. He said, that's not the way this world works. He said, I'm going to tell you where you screwed up, but boy, I'm going to be the first one to pick you up when you fall. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think has gone missing in this world. Everybody's so fucking sensitive. I mean, it's like everybody walks around with Vagisil. Seriously. Because you're offended doesn't make you right. Exactly. It, and everybody's excuse nowadays is, I'm offended. Well, you know what? Just because you're offended doesn't give you power. Nobody cares, dude. If every, I mean, really, at the end of the day, if you offend me, do you care? No. Right. <laughs> well, one, one second. Obviously, I don't. Let me, no. let me check. I think I ran out of give a shit on the offense page. Yeah, the I'm amount out. of actual love that comes with... Give him another donut. He's running low. Is, ...is astounding. I mean, we show support in that negative reinforcement. If I'm not giving you shit and calling you out on your bullshit, I don't like you. Right. Yeah. True. I mean, I don't care. If I don't like you that much, I am not going to bother with it. Yeah. And if I'm cracking on someone and someone's cracking on me, dude, that means we're friends. If oh, I'm giving someone the silent treatment, well, know what? That means... I don't have the time of day for them. I'm not going to put the energy into them. I don't know how to salvage. So, so we can salvage it a little because I'll ask a question that I haven't been able to. Um, we've talked about it some. But you did a training for my team, the three of you did. And it was more, as, as I asked, it was going to be around communications as much as anything. And I didn't mean communicating with Russia or... England or whoever you decided to have them talk hey, to, you know what? But it was communication, and the reason I wanted them to come up here is a lot of the individuals that were here. It was to take them out of their comfort zone, put them in a position they'd never been in before, put the pressure on them so they communicate in a clear, conscious way under duress. Basically, how do we get them to do that? And the military does this well with pressure and laughing or with uh, tear gas. They put you under a lot of pressure. They can scream at you. Well, you can't do that in the workforce anymore, even though Tun did that a little bit to my team. <laughs> Generally speaking, though, to if, if you look at what I asked you guys to do as a team, it's bringing a group of people together. There's one team building that goes along with it, and two, the communication side. You bring those two together, and you're going to build a team no matter what. So how did that play out? I know we used the Air Force guns. We used some of the Firebird targets. Obviously, I'm betting, even though I haven't asked, and we'll throw the plug out there again. You used Lucid spotting scopes for spotting and and Lucid binoculars. How did this all come together, though, to really get the team to communicate, and did it work? I think it did. Now... So day one of this training was equipment familiarization because a lot of these guys had never uh, touched an air gun, let alone a firearm. 
Uh, so there was a lot of familiarization with equipment and understanding how these things work and creating their dope. Um, and I and I and I don't mean the the green stuff that you smoke. I'm talking about data on previous engagements. Uh, now we spent day one doing that and working on fundamentals and working on mechanics. And once once we got these guys on target, what we spent the second day doing was a lot of uh, you know we've all played telephone. So we we put teams in isolation to the point where they had to communicate with each other as teams to accomplish a goal. Uh, we had one team that was completely off-site of the range that could not see what was going on, but they had to relay information and make sure that the targets engaged were the correct targets. Now, this is very similar in your company operation because you have people in several different locations around the globe that are having to coordinate each other with each other to accomplish the goal. Uh, by isolating teams like that, it forced them to be in a position where they had to gather information, get the big picture, and be able to disseminate that information up and down the chain of command. And we took it a step further. Um, day one was fun and games and familiarization. Day two, actions had consequences. If you shot and you missed your target and impacted the wrong one, that puts you in a timeout, basically prison. And you were completely separated from the group and you were isolated from the event. You were put in timeout because you shot the wrong target. So you got removed from the playing field. So actions had consequences. And it was all fun and games until we removed a couple players from the field today and they couldn't be part of the group anymore. You should have seen the boo-boo face going on. Oh, yeah. Yep. But actions have consequences. They were given good intel. They were given every little piece of information. They even confirmed that they knew what they were doing. And then they still screwed it up. Yeah. So actions had consequences. Yep. Right? And nobody else in that chain other than the shooter made the mistake. So it was the shooter that was removed. Oof. Yeah. Right? Yep. So it it hit home on many, many levels, and there's a lot of parallels. We could pull into business and what you do, um, unit to unit, plant to plant, management team to also disseminating information up and disseminating information down. There's two sides to that, right? Because you report your success and or your failures to management, but you report the process to everybody on your team to make it happen. And they had to do that today in a micro scale. Yep. And it, it, the pressure that's put on them the way you guys did should, I'm, I'm hoping, and we'll see what the feedback tomorrow brings, should give them a way to communicate better, like you said, the telephone game that we've all played. And we've done this in the past um, with smaller groups, and it's interesting to see how it falls apart this one it falls apart with consequence instead of just showing where the mistakes are so it'll be interesting to see the feedback we get from the team too well and it, it was interesting because we had an incidence today where actually our team um the 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 teaching team over three words uh completely fell apart call russia now is that what it was yeah something okay. like that but literally it was three words that were not communicated 
and the entire evolution fell apart. Range is clear. Now, they got you, your team got to see this, and it was the three words that were missed were target of opportunity. Had those three words been communicated properly, everything would have ran smooth. But because those three words were not communicated, the entire evolution fell apart. So in the beginning, there were one group of folks giving the target assignments. Right. And what this fell apart as, the team down on the ground, they chose their own target. And we fought about it because that was not the target that was in the play. And they didn't tell us it was a target of opportunity. They were asking for requests to proceed. And we're like, no, negative. This is not our objective. And we fought about it. So we called the cease and got a group, met all everybody together. And it came down to there were not communication on this is what the direction was changed. Mm-hmm. And so the change wasn't accepted by management. That doesn't ever happen. And you had a mutiny on your hand. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. so they got to see this firsthand over three words. Yep. It happens quick, too. No, and it, but, it, but I think it was, I, I was actually, you know, looking back on it, and it kind of sucked at the time because it was frustrating. It was taking time out of our training. But looking back on it, I was really glad to see your team see that because they, I, I think it really hammered home the fact that over three words, the entire thing fell apart. Now, did you guys already talk about this, or is this something uh, for tomorrow's it, discussion? It, it, because it, we, this... did, we did a quick little hot wash on it. But we'll we'll elaborate it more tomorrow. Uh, but but the fact that your team got to see that how quickly things break down when communication is not right. Oh, we all know how it does. Trust me. But but uh, obviously not, or they wouldn't be here. No, they know how quick it breaks down because that's where the complaints start from intercompany, right? And that's this is what i'm trying to alleviate or eliminate some of because we do a lot of this inter- internal bickering that happens and that's what i want to try to clear up so there is clear and co- clear and concise communication between all of the teams or all of the individuals so well i'm i'm hoping that by seeing that incidence from the outside instead of being in the middle of it that maybe they look at things a little bit differently the next time that comes up mm, yeah yeah i got to have a lot of fun with this because this is uh I've had to do this kind of scenario quite a few times on different levels with different teams. Um, And it was nice to do this particular exercise because usually I'm doing it with teams that, like, when we did the show called Darkness, we had to do teamwork where we put people in caves with teams for three days underground in complete darkness. Yeah, no. Hard pass. And... It was the teams that were going to be the producers and the executive producers and cameramen that were going to film the show. And if you failed, you were fired. <laughs> and the final for that was not a shooting exercise. Is we put people in the cave for three days with two days worth of battery life on your night vision. And you had to conserve your battery power, but we didn't tell you that. So if you didn't conserve your battery power, by the end of day two, you were in complete darkness on your own. And we played on people's fears of claustrophobic darkness, and we watched people fall out. So, And teamwork is everything. 
so working on this was great because day one we decided that we're going to have all these guys build their gear together and I got there early, set up all the guns and all the packages and had everything set up nice and pretty and had the giveaways, what they got to keep, what was going to be theirs, what they had to build together and their eyes and ears and everything set up. And I watched the shiny ball syndrome just go right across their face. And I said, gave them concise orders as a team, grab your gear, go over to the building where we're going to be assembling it and do not open it. I said at one time. They all bobbleheaded, grabbed their gear, and went to the building. And they all opened it. When we walked in five minutes after they'd been in there, every single team had their gear strung out like a yard sale, and they were playing with it. One, one order, do not open. Sit at one time. That's all you have to say is at one time. If it's a, in the world of wildlife and search and rescue, one time is all it... Oh, oh you dirty pirate hooker. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, Wilson just stole a donut. Yeah. But in the world of the... Oh, the Jasons are killing me. The Jasons are killing me. Oh, yeah. But... In this in this exercise, I'm gonna set that right there because I have an actual thought that was amusing. In this exercise, I wanted to see something on day one. I wanted to have this moment where, as a team, I got to be there. Hey, hey, don't disparage. Oh no, that's a donut. Don't dirty. Where donut. did you get those? Two days ago. Three days ago. No, where? I don't know. Don't go back. Out of his trailer. Those are 3D old donut, trailer donuts. Two-day. we got them yesterday. Yeah, okay. Well, whatever store they yeah. came from, don't go back. <laughs> no. But for me, this was a fun exercise because I got to watch the guy decide what teams were going to be together, see their brand-new gear, give a direct direction of not to open your gear and Jason and I drove over I said hey let me know which person opened up their box <laughs> you can see how the truck comes back and he's on every single one so we go in instead of saying because usually during this class I'll say okay open up your box inside the package that's on top is your tools and your instructions. Your instructions, I want you guys to go over as a team and read them and learn your firearm. Learn your air rifle. Learn how it works. Learn how it operates. Learn the safeties. Learn everything. But since they already opened it and tossed it to the side, they skipped that. When was the last time you read instructions on anything from Ikea? Every single time. You do? You have to. Oh, yeah. You won't ever get it together if you don't. No, no. You get it halfway. Jackson Pollock, okay. but yeah, you'll get it together. You get it halfway. Okay, okay fair. Case you get in it. point, instruction booklet right here. I got instructions all over the place. You read them, though? Every single one. Wow. It is I kind can, of his job. I can actually tell you, on the instructions of this, it tells me to put five liters of water into the air compressor. And it also tells me 
to fill it up three quarters of way above the red dot of 4,500 PSI compressor oil because I've read the whole thing. Yeah, most people don't. No, but that is my job. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing that during this class, I was like, okay, we're going to go through. And we had them build it all. Then I got to play with them because I wanted to learn these people's personalities. So we would go through step by step, and I wanted to see who would jump ahead. They opened up everything, disassembled everything, took all the tools out and spread them out everywhere. I said, okay. After we got done assembling everything, it was a few bumps here and there. I said, now put all the tools back in the package they came in. And it was like deer in the headlights. Mm -hmm. And they're like, it was a guessing game. They're like, uh, okay. So we had a few bumps in the road trying to get everything set up yesterday. And there was a problem they were having. And I was like, if they would have read the instructions. But I didn't want to tell them yesterday. This morning when I went in, I said, hey. How many people read the instruction booklets or looked up online how to work your air gun? Not a single one. Yep. So I explained to them this morning why, and they all kind of looked at me like, what a dick. <laughs> Once again, I don't care. You jumped ahead. You didn't listen. This is what happens. Yep. And we, uh, me and Jason talked about that a little bit, and we have it happen even though – like I told you guys, we have ISO procedures that are very clear. And there are times that individuals think they can just skip those procedures and go right on to whatever they want to do. So it doesn't surprise me, but it's something that even our, our shop guys that we have to continue to train them on. We, yep. we saw that during the training. Um, one of the, when we, when we were first initially starting the communications part of this, um, I, I gave our our bunker team the free reign to pick a target, and they were able to give three descriptors for the target, which was pretty generous for, for the range that we had. Um, I had a couple of uh, had a couple of guys that wanted to give a novel, and uh, so so one of the, one of the points that we're going to be addressing tomorrow is. You know, give the information that's needed when it's needed, and 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 Wilson, you have it exactly right. You know, you're trying to explain to a guy how a watch works, and all you need to know is the time. That's exactly right. What do they need to accomplish their goal? Mm-hmm. Right. And if you spend too much time explaining all the details of every nuance of what you need to do, at some point, the average human being checks out. Most, yeah. And they're no longer listening to you at all. And when it comes time to talk about the goal, you've lost them. Yep. And Communication it, number 101, yeah. right? It happens all the time. And here we are blathering on for going on two, two hours. Two hours, yeah. You will have probably part one and part two of this, even oh, if you edit out all the the randomness, dead air. No, there, there's, this is definitely going to be two parts. Ooh. Um uh, Why'd it, you just it, look at me when you said that? Because it, it's ton motherfucking Jones, and I figured at least two, possibly three. And we are so happy to be privileged enough to come and hang in your man cave. You guys are welcome anytime. Thank you so much for being on, and until next week, 
you guys stay safe out there, especially from the blue-haired vegan. Dude, creepy bastards, but always welcome at the campfire. (laughs) 